you go to the doctor, you go, well, your tests are normal. That's fine. You're fine. And they're like, well, that means one of two things. Either you're crazy or your doctor's missing something. There's a joke, you know, like the, do- the guy loses keys on the street and he's looking under this lamppost. His friend comes by and he's like, what's go- going on? He says, oh, I lost my keys. Where'd you lose them? Well, I lost them down the street. He says, why are you looking over here? He says, well, the light's better here. Welcome to Commune, where each week we explore the ideas and practices that bring us together and help us live healthy, purpose-filled lives. Most of us don't feel as well as we could if we truly understood how to care for our own bodies. Now, our current healthcare system is broken. We're focused on treatment and not outcomes. The U.S. spends 20% of its GDP on healthcare. Chronic disease affects at least 133 million Americans, and half of all Americans are pre-diabetic or diabetic. The rates for nearly every modern disease are going through the roof. Doctors are rushing through appointments because of time limitations set by insurance companies. People are being misguided and dismissed, left sick, without getting the care they really need. But it doesn't have to be that way. We have more power than we think to take our health care into our own hands. Dr. Mark Hyman is a functional medicine physician and author, founder and director of the Ultra Wellness Center, and director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. Now, functional medicine treats the whole system. It seeks to identify and address the root causes of disease, viewing the body as one integrated system, not a collection of independent organs divided up by medical specialties. I got a chance to sit and talk with Mark at Wanderlust's Wellspring Festival in Palm Springs about finally taking our health into our own hands. It may feel overwhelming at first, but don't worry. Listening to this episode is a great first step. I'm Jeff Krasno, and welcome to Commune. I'm Dr. Mark Hyman, and uh, I'm a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully a good one. (laughs) And I uh, practice functional medicine, family medicine by training. And I'm the director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, which is the only academic functional medicine center in the world. And also founded the Ultra Wellness Center in Lenox, Massachusetts, where we have been open for almost 15 years with extraordinary physicians, healing people from all over the world, chronic illness, using functional medicine. And I've written 11, well, 14 books. 11 have been bestsellers on health and functional medicine and food. And I am an activist uh, looking at changing our food system, our medical care system, and try to do good in the world. Yeah. Like medicine, you're holistic in your approach. Yeah. yeah. So you went to med school, and what was that inflection point of like, well, wait a minute, there's this functional medicine Thing, and that's what I'm really interested in. Yeah, well, I was weird before I went to medical school. <laughs> and I uh, studied uh, Buddhism and Asian studies. I studied TM when I was 15, back in the early 70s. Well, I studied yoga before I went to medical school. So I had a very unusual pre-medical career, and I studied ancient healing systems and traditional healing systems from around the world. I read a book called Planet Medicine when I was in college, and uh, studied Buddhist healing systems, uh, did an independent study course on healing and systems thinking, which it was kind of interesting because it's a presage of, of functional medicine, which is systems thinking about biology. How does everything work together? And 
when I graduate, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? You know, like I have a degree in Buddhism and Chinese. Well, maybe I'll go to China and study Chinese medicine. And then I was like, no, I don't want to spend my 20s in a fascist dictatorship. I think I'll just try medical school. And I got in to one medical school in Canada where I grew up. And it turned out great. And I said, I'll stay as long as I like it. And I still like it. So I'm staying. <laughs> and I was, you know, pretty out there in medical school. But I, I think uh, I gained the respect of my colleagues and professors because I graduated near the top of my class. So they're like, okay, well, this guy's a little weird, but he's smart. So, <laughs> And then I um, actually got a little brainwashed, to be honest with you, uh, when I went through medical school because it's such an inculcation of a certain paradigm that's so fixed about disease. And that got in under my skin. I still was always focused on nutrition, lifestyle, yoga, health. I was always a vegetarian for 10 years. And I mean, I, I ran five miles a day, did yoga an hour a day. I mean, it was really focused on wellness and health and meditated, but I, I just um, got sort of sucked into the paradigm. And I was a really good family doctor. I delivered babies, went to a small town in Idaho. I uh, really loved engaging my patients and connecting with them. And I, I just loved being a doctor. But after a while, I, I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Uh, that I, I actually was working in the ER for a while. And I played this mental game with myself, which was, gee, how many people are here today because of some behavior or action or thing that they did that they could have prevented? It was pretty striking. And I and then I decided I wanted to do something different. And just like life goes, um, you know, you don't make choices. Things happen that take you down a path. And I got a job offer as the medical director at Canyon Ranch which is a, was a health resort, and I built from scratch the functional medicine program there. But I really got very sick after I got the job with mercury poisoning, which I got from China, and I ended up collapsing. And my physical body broke down, my gut broke down, my immune system broke down, uh, my muscles started breaking down. I, I really was very sick, and I was able to manage because I only had to work like from 9 to 4 every day, and I could go down and get a massage over lunch or go to the sauna and, sort of push my way through. I only worked three days a week. So I was able to kind of fake my way through it, but it was tough. And through functional medicine, I began to heal and repair and started using my patients and saw this incredible results. People would get better and they'd call me back. I was like, well, how are you doing? Like, well, I'm better. I'm like, what do you mean you're better? <laughs> like, this shouldn't work. And I just, you know, it was like shocking to me as a doctor to see that applying these principles of systems approach, dealing with the root causes, asking why, not just what disease do you have, understanding how to restore balance in the system using these principles of functional medicine that I was able to help people with you know, neurodegenerative disease, with Parkinson's, dementia, depression, ADD, autoimmune diseases, digestive problems, hormonal dysregulation, so many different issues, skin problems. I mean, people with psoriasis all over the body or acne would go away after you know decades. I mean, it was just quite striking. And so I was like, holy crap, you know, like this is real. Yeah, it's so interesting how your personal experience colored your experience at medical school and then after. I mean, you were coming at medical school from already a, a rooted place of well-being and wellness. Oftentimes, it was, it's the other way around. You have a traditional upbringing, you go to med school, you become a doctor, and then someone hips you to some other kind of holistic wellness or um, approach, and you start to get curious. But you were coming at it from a yeah. completely different point of view, and it sounds like your illness was sort of a, in a way, a blessing because you could actually apply some of the things that you were thinking about to yourself. Yeah. The wounded healer, that's definitely me. <laughs> I've had so, I've had so many things that have happened to me and through them all, I've learned how to 
survive and, and heal and repair and learn things that I could use with my patients. I wanted to ask you, since we're here at Wanderlust Wellspring, which is really a community gathering around the notion of well-being and also connecting the notion of personal well-being to societal well-being. And this is the Commune Podcast, which is about bringing people together to live happy and, and healthy and purpose-filled lives. So you have a quote, this one of my favorite quotes, but it also begs some question for me, which is this, the power of community to create health is far greater than any physician, clinic, or hospital. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. And also, is that a differentiating factor between functional medicine and, and the way traditional Western medicine approaches care? Well, yes, it, it is a different factor, and it's critically important. You know, and I spent my first 20 years in this field studying the biology of humans, right? How do we create a healthy human? How do I dig into the intricacies of biochemistry and physiology and genetics and the microbiome and the mitochondria and the immune system and on and on and on? And it was like I was like going into like you know Alice in Wonderland. It was just so amazing once you see how everything connects and everything relates to each other. It was fascinating. And I'm like, well, well, gee, you know, this is a bigger problem. And I went to Haiti after the earthquake, and I ended up with a guy named Paul Farmer who basically cured TB and AIDS in the worst place in the Western Hemisphere, not by better drugs and surgery, but by using the power of community, each other. He called it accompaniment. We accompany each other to health. And he basically created thousands of community health workers that were people's neighbors, help them get clean water, get a watch, learn how to take their medicines, be, if they didn't take their pills, they would show up at their door. I mean, it was like a really amazing connected experience. You know, you look at Chris Dox's work from Harvard, and he showed that, that we are uh, highly influenced by our community. He found that if you're overweight, if your friend's overweight, you're 170% more likely to be overweight than if your family's overweight. <laughs> and if your friend's friend is overweight, you're also more likely to be overweight. And so I, I get this guy walking in my office one day, Rick Warren, pastor from this big church in Southern California, Saddleback, yeah. And he was overweight. He wanted to get healthy. I'm like, all right. They said, let's go to dinner after. He's like, sure. So we had dinner. I said, tell me about your church. He's like, oh, well, I got 30,000 people in my church. I'm like, wow, it's a big church. And he says, yeah, we got 5,000 groups that meet every week to help each other live better lives. And I'm like, ooh. And I had that light bulb moment where I'm like, hey, Rick, why don't we put a healthy living program in your church and see what happens? And I had this thought, that, well, why don't we just hijack his church for a social experiment and see if my theory works? And so we, he's like, yeah, because, you know, I was baptizing the church last week and after about the 800th one, I'm like, man, we're a fat church and I'm fat and we got to do something. So, so we launched this program. We thought a hundred, couple hundred people would show up. 15,000 people showed up. They had to turn 2,000 people away at the church because it was the biggest event they'd ever had. And we had a quarter million pounds lost in the first year by these 15,000 people. And also they got healthy. So they got rid of their diabetes meds, their migraine meds, their autoimmunes got better, their, their mood got better. It was just quite striking. And so I realized that, um, that using the power of each other, and all we did was create a curriculum. And that accountability, feedback, support from the community is the most powerful thing. I, I say the group is the medicine. Food is medicine, but group is medicine. I call it the love diet. We have to help each other. We have to accompany each other to health, and we need that community support. Yeah, it's so interesting that you talk about the church potentially being this place of gathering with continuity, 
right? Because you're tapping back into something that gives you purpose, but that also gives you community on a continual basis. And so when I, where my mind goes with that is, okay, well, there's 300,000 churches or something in the United States, but there's also 24,000 yoga studios, yeah. right? And this is where people are going, not just for a workout, because you could just go take a run by yourself for a workout. These are places where people are going to gather around a shared practice, and that practice makes you healthy. There's almost an accountability that it gives you to the people around sure. you, right? I'm going to work harder when I have people around me than I'm just going to do myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, what is, that's crazy. Yeah, well, we are social beings. I mean, that's how we're wired. Uh, we can't... I mean, imagine a human living alone uh, in the world. It's it's impossible. We, we are networked with our bigger community, even if we don't feel it. And we depend on each other, rely on each other. And it turns out that that... that that actually creates a tremendous amount of healing in the body. And we know this. You're like more likely to live longer if you're in a bowling group or a knitting group versus just knitting on your own or bowling on your own. You're more likely if you're in a church or community center. If you've got uh, one of the longest of populations in the world with the Okinawans where they have something called a moai, which is this group of people that gather in infancy, basically, their family is kind of assigns them to this friend group, and they literally live their whole lives together, supporting each other. And now we do that, and we have something called functioning for life. We use functional medicine, and food is medicine, and the social support, and we put them in groups. So there's groups of 8 to 12. Every week, they meet for two hours for 10 weeks, and there's follow-up support. And we find, strikingly, we're collecting data on all these. And we're seeing that the people in the groups do far better than the ones with a one-on-one visit, even with the same doctor for the same disease. And we're seeing sustainable behavior change. It's just striking how powerful it is. Ah, that is mind-blowing. Yeah, so it's all about community. It's all about the commune. It's all about connection. It's all about how do we thrive as human beings. And and I believe that, you know, people talk about what are the essential ingredients for health. You know, what are the new you know, exercise? It's, you know, it's eating right. It's sleep. It's meditation. But it's also connection and love and community. Community is obviously a big differentiator in terms of how you're approaching medicine. Yeah. Can you outline some of the other big differentiators between functional medicine and integrative medicine and also typical Western medicine yeah. and its approach to care? Yeah. So um, typical Western medicine is essentially driven off uh, an old paradigm, which is sort of reactive. It's like, one, if your head hurts you go to the head doctor. If your stomach hurts, you go to the stomach doctor. If your joint hurts, you go to the joint doctor. And they diagnose you based on your symptoms, where it is in your body, and and that's basically medicine by symptoms and geography. Whereas now, we're completely redefining disease in a way that forces us to break that whole paradigm apart. But it's so fixed, and everything is organized in medicine around it. All our diagnosis codes all our medical specialties, all medical education, all continuing education is driven off of this paradigm of silos and separation. But now we know, for example, the microbiome can cause autism and cancer and heart disease and dementia and diabetes and obesity and autoimmune diseases. And how, I mean, it's like, what? How does that work? You know, when you go to the when you go to the doctor for rheumatoid arthritis, I go, well, let me look at your microbiome. Like, they should be. 
or when you go to the cardiologist, they should be. I mean, I just, I just went to this extraordinary lecture by William Lee, who's a cancer doctor from Boston. He was like, you know, we found that in immunotherapy, which is a very cool new therapy for cancer that can be profoundly effective, who responds and who doesn't? Like 40% respond, the rest may not. It's like we found that if they're missing one of these key microbiome bacteria, they don't respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By eating the right foods and the right prebiotics, you can actually grow these healthy bacteria back and change your response to cancer and get cured from cancer by eating the right foods to fix your bacteria in your gut. It's like, what? Wow. <laughs> right? So that everything's connected. So that's really the problem with Western medicine. Now, holistic medicine, alternative medicine, integrated medicine. I mean, I, I grew up in the 70s, and that was when holistic health was great. And it was a holistic health handbook, which anybody can look up. It's, I still have mine. And it had, you know, crystals and homeopathy and Ayurveda. And it was just like all the catalog of all right. these alternative it's like therapies, the right? the preppy handbook for holistic medicine. <laughs> Pretty much. And yeah, there was a course I took in a summer class. It was like, it was fascinating. And it was really all this distinct modalities that could be incorporated into the healing process, which is a great idea. But integrative medicine basically was integrating these alternative modalities with traditional thinking, right? So it wasn't a map. It was a set of tools that you could integrate. The question is, let's say you have a migraine. Well, if you go to the Ayurvedic doctor, they're going to say you have this dosh imbalance. If you go to the like Chinese medicine is going to have a spleen chi imbalance. And if you go to the biofeedback specialist, they're going to say you have too much stress. And if you go to the nutritionist, they maybe have a magnesium deficiency. And if you go to the psychologist, they're going to say, oh, you're, you know, got to whatever, whatever. And so there's, there's this sense of it's like the blind man and the elephant. Like each has got their own silo and sees what they see, but they don't actually see the whole thing. So functional medicine says, wait a minute, these are all great modalities. So are drugs and surgery when needed how do we integrate integrated medicine? In other words, how do, we, how do we create a map so that we know which tools to use? And so functional medicine isn't a modality, it isn't a test, it isn't a supplement, it isn't an uh, intervention. It's, it's a way of thinking differently about disease based on root causes, based on systems, based on understanding the body is a, a set of very core functional systems that have to be in balance for you to be healthy, and that there's things that disturb that balance, things that help create balance. And that we have to integrate that and understand that disease really occurs and emerges from the interaction of genes and environment. And environment in a big sense, you know, meaning your diet, lifestyle, gen, you know, your, your exposures, et cetera, your thoughts, your feelings, those are all your environment. How those influence your biology. And so functional medicine really is agnostic when it comes to what the intervention is. It's really was a way of thinking about root causes. And that's what's so powerful. Yeah, Marianne Williamson has a great quote that she applies to societal health, which is we have to stop watering the leaves. We have to start watering the roots. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. And that's exactly what functional medicine is. It's dealing with the roots. So when you're working on a diagnosis and you're looking for root causes, what's that process look like? And how can people empower themselves in that process? Because not everybody has Dr. Mark Hyman as their personal care physician. Well, a lot of this can be done on your own. I, mean, I wrote a book years ago called Ultra Mind Solution, which takes people through a process of quizzes. So there's self-diagnostic quizzes. A lot of this you can figure out from history. You know, if you have gut issues, you have detox issues, if you have hormonal issues, if you're nutritionally deficient, you can tell a lot from asking questions. And then you can then stage your treatment based on uh, self-care, which I call it self-care, which is one of the basic tr- principles for everybody. And then if you need extra help, what can you do? So here's, maybe you take extra magnesium. If you're low in magnesium, maybe you take these herbs if you have uh, 
you know, hormonal dysregulation. Maybe you do these foods or these supplements if you're detox issues. And if that doesn't work, then there's the medical care component. So it's what's good basic foundational health for everybody. What's the self-care component? What's the medical care? And it, it's amazing how many people just do that and, and don't even... Yeah, they don't yeah. need to go to last time. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, we see this even in our, in our clinic when we just give people basic foundational stuff with the groups because it's not super personalized. 50% don't even need to see the doctor after. They, 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 they were desperate to get to see the doctors. That's why they joined the group because we told them if you can join the group, you'll get in the doctor faster. But turns out they don't even need to see the doctor. <laughs> so it's, it's very powerful. And so I think uh, the, the concept that you asked is how do, we, how do we sort through this? And it's really two simple things. One is take out the bad stuff, put in the good stuff. And how do you know what bad stuff is? Well, there's really a short list of bad stuff. It's toxins. It's microbes, and it could be your microbiome. It could be infections like viruses or ticks. It's allergens, so something that's irritating your immune system. It could be gluten, dairy, foods, environmental allergens. And it could be um, toxins like heavy metals, mold toxins, other persistent toxins that people get. Poor diet, stress, and um, how those interact with your genes. Uh, and those then create imbalances in these basic systems if you don't have enough of the right stuff. So again, it's how do you create a healthy human is a very simple list of stuff that's sort of obvious. Food is medicine, right? Understand that. Then you need the right nutrients because all of us are different. We might need more vitamin D or B12 or folate, magnesium. We need the right balance of hormones and that maybe we need some hormones as, as our health changes. We need light. We need actually full spectrum light, particularly in the morning to regulate our pineal gland sleep. And we need quality sleep, but many people don't have that. We need movement. So moving our bodies, we need clean air, we need water, uh, we need restoration, which is sort of the meditation yoga component to reset our nervous system because we don't automatically relax if you just sit and watch TV. We need community, we need connection, we need love, we need purpose, we need meaning. These are all ingredients for health. So if we don't have that, then, yeah, so it's basically taking out the bad things, putting in the good things, and then the body will reset. Yeah. You know, it's funny, that list of things that you just said of the things that we need, one of the characteristics that every single thing that you just said share, they're all old. Yeah. They're all true. Yeah. Right? It's not rocket science. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's rediscovering these things that are old and true to address problems that are mm -hmm. modern and new, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about testing because in order to understand where your deficiencies are, do you need to test? How does one go about that? A lot of that could be done through deep questioning. And there are a few tests you kind of have to do to be sure. Like if you're not sure you're Lyme or tick stuff, you have to check that. If you're, But you can tell from a questionnaire if your likelihood is high. So we do a screening questionnaire. And if your score is over X, then you likely have a tick infection. Or if you have a lot of history that indicates heavy metal poisoning, like you eat tuna fish every day or you have a mouthful of fillings, then yeah, we, we will suspect mercury. So we can tell. And then sometimes you have to go deeper. But most of the time, even through a questionnaire like magnesium deficiency questionnaire, if you have muscle cramps, constipation, palpitations, headaches, insomnia, anxiety, you probably have magnesium deficiency, right? If you're inside all the time and you have muscle weakness and fatigue and your immune system isn't working, a little depression, if you're even if in an exam, you can do, you know, your your bones, you can press your shin, and if it's tender, you probably have vitamin D deficiency. You know, so you can actually if you you don't eat any fish and you don't 
have uh, any supplements with omega threes, you're probably omega three deficient, or depending on what your diet is. So, we, you know, we really um, can tell a lot from the story. But as a functional medicine doctor, you're also a medical detective. You know, when you go to the doctor, well, all your tests are normal. That's fine. You're fine. And they're like, well, that means one of two things: either you're crazy, or your doctor's missing something. It's a joke. You know, like the, do- the guy loses keys on the street. And he's looking under this lamppost. His friend comes by and he's like, what's going on? He says, I lost my keys. Where'd you lose them? Well, I lost them down the street. He says, why are you looking over here? He says, well, the light's better here. So we look at our typical stuff that we look at in medicine. We look at your blood panel. We look at your blood count. We look at your chemistry. We look at your cholesterol. It's not really a good indicator of health or well-being or on, on, on diagnosing the key things. So functional medicine is a way of navigating through your story to find out what things you should test and what things you should look at. So for each of those things that I talked about that are the root causes or the things that are missing, there's ways of testing for that. So I can test for toxins. I can test for the microbiome. I can test for infections. I can test for allergens. I can test for nutritional factors. Um, Same thing. I can look at, you know, what are you missing nutrient-wise? What are you missing hormone-wise? What are you missing even sleep? You can look at sleep patterns. You can get a lot of data either from direct lab testing or from quantified self-testing, which is, you know, these sleep trackers. Uh, you can look at heart rate variability on your iPhone. You can put your thumb or finger on the camera and different programs allow you to check your heart rate variability, which is the robustness of your health of your sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic, which is critically important for your health, longevity. And if you have low heart rate variability, it means your, your body is not very resilient and you're more likely to die. So there's a direct correlation between your heart variability. That's a thing that means that you probably need to meditate or do stress or look at your thoughts and beliefs that lead you to be stressed and work on that because that's a key indicator. So there's a lot of tests you can do depending on what's going on with somebody. And that's what functional medicine is. It takes us down a whole level of kinds of functional testing so we can do regular tests. And it's, it's really important to understand how do you assess these systems in the body. And that's what functional medicine diagnostics does. I wanted to talk about the healthcare industry for a second. It feels like in the traditional American medical system that we have skewed the outcomes, right? That that success is not outcome oriented. No. Um, process. It's process oriented. It's treatment oriented. It's and so. Do you feel? like you're spearheading a movement or a revolution inside the healthcare industry to essentially make well-being and wellness health. We always talk about health and wellness, like those things are separate somehow. Well, wellness is health. Yeah, for sure. So here's what's happening. You know, under Obamacare, there was a number of provisions that were mostly ignored by the media and consumer, which have to do with creating value-based healthcare. So what that means is typically in healthcare, we get paid for doing stuff, whether it works or not. In other words, let's say I you know, was a car company and I built cars, but only one out of every 100 cars worked when you drove it off the factory. You, and you still pay for the car. <laughs> so that's what's happening now. We're, we're, we're paying for visits for volume. We're paying for doing more, we're paying for getting reimbursed for procedures. For example, we know that angioplasties don't really work for most people, but people still do it because you get like seven grand for an angioplasty. We get reimbursement-based medicine. And then we know that lifestyle medicine works better for heart disease or diabetes than taking pills. But we'll pay, for example, in a recent study, they paid 240000 a year in insurance for the worst poorly controlled diabetics. And when they gave them $2,400 in food in an experiment and a little support, 
with coaches and nutritionists and training, they reduced the cost by $192,000 or 80% per person. <laughs> and yet we won't pay for the food. We'll pay for the medication and the hospitalizations and the surgeries that are required to fix these patients. It's just crazy. So we're moving to this value-based care system. There's incentives building, and it's going to be in the next three to five years where there's going to be more and more of a transition. So the incentives are changing. The, the financial incentives have been misaligned. They're becoming more aligned, and that's going to incentivize changes in care delivery and the kinds of things that we're looking at. So you're saying that this is baked into the ACA because, you know, yeah. we hear a lot about yeah. the patient bill of rights, the can't discriminate against pre-existing conditions, you're on your parents' health care until you're 26, all this kind of stuff. But so this value-based approach is it's baked embedded, in there. Yes, bedded in. And it's, and it's being pushed out by Medicare. Now, the challenge in traditional medicine is they don't know how to do things differently. It's like rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic. It's not going to do the same thing better. It's not about giving better medications. It's about doing something different. And that's what functional medicine provides. This notion of personal responsibility. If you were to say like, okay, you know, yeah, you can, you know, move, eat well, meditate, de-stress. What are the other things that you would say directly to a person of like, here's your responsibility, not the healthcare industry responsibility. This is your responsibility. You need to have a way to actually integrate changes in your lifestyle, behavior, and your environment. So um, that's where we're looking at community-based models. That's where we're going to churches. We need to rethink care delivery, and that is so important. Yeah. Last thing. So I think you probably know Mark Bertolini. Yeah, uh, very well. He's a chairman um, and CEO of Aetna. Yeah. And he has a pretty deep personal practice, he and his wife. Uh, they're, I think, yogis and, and meditators. And I'm wondering when... Aetna or other insurers will say, cool, yeah, we're not just going to cover the treatment side. We're also cover your yoga class or your meditation. We're going to get there? Yeah. I mean, right now we're, we're launching a project uh, called the Food Pharmacy with an F at Cleveland Clinic where we're going to take food insecure diabetics. We're going to give them food for their family for seven days a week, free, uh, teach them how to use it, teach them how to cook, teach them how to shop support them in community, put them in groups. And we're going to show that if you do that, you're going to save like this you know, 80% or 50 or whatever of your healthcare costs. But if you look at diabetes, it is the biggest driver of our healthcare costs. So if we can cut that by 20%, 50%, 80%, guess what? Insurers are going to pay for that. They're not dumb, but they need the data. So right, we're in this data-driven era, and that's fine. So we're collecting the data. We're looking at the analytics. We're, we want to be robust in what we're doing, and we'll publish it. And I think that's going to start to shift people's behavior. There's already a food as medicine caucus in Congress. There's already food and vegetable prescriptions that are being done. California is spending $20 million to provide food for the sickest patients. So there's, there's certainly things that are happening in this space that are, are hopeful and changing. I just was at a, a healthcare leader conference in Washington, really people engaged in running the world in healthcare and the, co the conference topics were on community, were on social determinants, were on food as medicine, were on sustainability and climate change. And I'm like, what is going on here? And so it was uh, very hopeful for me to see this kind of thinking permeate into uh, leadership positions in healthcare and other places in food systems. You mean that that's not just being talked about at Burning Man and Wanderlust? It's nope. <laughs> in nope, 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 <laughs> nope. It's pretty impressive. Well, you're, you're our messenger. Take off my Burning Man clothes and I, I go to the meetings with a suit and tie. I'm like a shaman in a suit. Yeah. No one knows I'm what I'm really there for. <laughs> 
Keep going. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right. Jeff. The inventor Thomas Edison once said, the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will instruct his patient in the care of the human frame, in diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. It's a big idea from a guy who invented the light bulb, but the shift to functional medicine isn't that dissimilar to how the light bulb revolutionized mankind. When Rockefeller, who had built his fortune by refining oil for kerosene lamps, realized that the electric light could replace kerosene, he launched a PR campaign against it, painting the new technology as dangerous and irresponsible. Every big paradigm shift goes up against all kinds of resistance, especially one that involves massive financial institutions or complex insurance systems. This just means we as individuals need to step up and take ownership of our own personal health journeys. But the good news is that the shift to functional medicine is already starting to happen. We just need to put in the work to find healthcare professionals who aren't afraid of a little progress and a lot of questions. To learn more and to take Mark's 10-day course on hacking your healthcare, head over to onecommune.com. Thanks for listening to the Commune Podcast. Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe for new episodes every week. I'm Jeff Krasno, and I'll see you next time.